And here in Detroit, where so many of the tools of victory were turned out, it's in the air. All Detroit wants another kind of victory. They're out to see the Detroit Tigers, their favorite ball team. Let's go inside. You're listening to Tigers SRD with your hosts and former Little League All-Stars, Chris Brown and Roger Castillo. Welcome to another episode of Tigers SRD on the Tiger Minor League Report Network and the Overtime Media Network. I'm Roy Helio Castillo. His name is Chris Brown. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Arhat Media, Stitcher, and Google Play. And you can follow us on Twitter at RajCast81 and Chris at ChrisBrown0914. Follow the Facebook page, like our Facebook page, Tiger Minor League Report. And if you've not had a chance, check out our Carfax, which is a YouTube playlist, which we're breaking down videos and what have you, breaking down players and just having a good old conversation. So there's going to be several changes on the Tiger Minor League Report, which we'll get. Well, there will be a formal announcement coming up on that as uh, we are get ready to already start the board for the Tigers prospect live stuff. So there's some stuff coming on the way down the pipeline and I'm looking forward to discussing that further when we have some more details. So tonight our guest is an old friend of the show. It's been a while since we've had him on and there's a lot to discuss because a lot of, <laughs> we're not going to be too cynical, I promise, but I think, I think Brandon day of bless you boys does a really good job of keeping things real without being, Keeping factually real, Brandon. Is that is that a fair thing to say? I try to keep it real without it going wrong. Yeah, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like like we want to have fun and we want to root for the Tigers, and but yeah, we also don't want to lie to ourselves and stagger into next year thinking you know that this team was almost a contender this year and we're almost there. <laughs> we got a long way to go, folks. Yeah, and I, I would I would say that Chris Brown does a really good job of putting things in perspective. Yeah, both of you guys do as well. Absolutely. But we've all been doing this quite a while now. We kind of know the score. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, keeping up the score, by the way, the Tigers are, it seems like this is the, I think this is the sixth time this month or something along the lines. Tigers are right now at the bottom of the eighth. They're trailing 10-0 over (laughs) Cleveland. And Shane Beaver's having their way, just been just killing what we're talking about before the show a little bit. But Jordan Zimmerman came out there and yeah. did exactly what Jordan Zimmerman would expect to do. One, two-thirds innings, six hits, five runs. He got two strikeouts. Hey, I mean, there, hey. There, there, hey, there you go. So <laughs> The slider's still working, baby. Yeah, we saw yeah. Nick Ramirez tonight, which was nice. Um, you know, you, you might think to yourself, you know, Nick Ramirez might have been able to help this team out, um, you know, at points along the season. I, but I absolutely thought that when I looked and saw he was ten, uh, two and a third. Uh, with no hits, three strikeouts or something like that, or maybe gave up a hit. But yep, yeah, yeah changeup like, still look good. Yeah, it, it. I don't know. I, I, it's it's one of those sort of perplexing things with this team this year where we can't quite figure out what they're trying to do, or why they're, yeah, they're giving they, some guys long looks and other guys basically no looks at all. Yeah, they're really confused between like, are we trying to to win games or are we trying to develop our guys? Yeah, it's uh, it's been peculiar for sure. Yeah, and that, uh, and that leads to that conversation about Nico Goodrum yesterday, who kind of on the on the press. I mean, if you if you read between the tea leaves, if you will, they seem to have him be at second base. I don't know if you guys picked up on that, but it just seemed like he's like whatever well, man at this yeah, point. I think Cody Cody Stevenhagen implied as much. I think in his tweet, and it is one of those things like we kind of saw that coming. 
or last year when they say, yeah, Nico's going to be our shortstop. We're like, all right, we'll see how long this lasts. Yeah. And, and to be fair, I mean, he hasn't been hitting well this year. And particularly on breaking balls, I dug that one up yesterday. He's hitting like 117 on non-fastballs this year, or that's his expected batting average on non-fastballs. Um, but yeah, I mean, by by fan graphs, he's the one of the top five defensive shortstops in baseball. So of course you move him off shortstop because, yeah, I don't know. And I, I do, you know, yeah. <laughs> our, our buddy Mark, they want to see Willie Castro at shortstop more. And it's one of those things where you go, okay, well, weren't you watching in the minor leagues? But the yeah. one thing I, I think. When you see Castro play, he seems to have decent range and, and his hands are fine. It's the throws that are kind of an issue yeah. so far. And I guess that's one thing that you can check at the major league level, how a guy reacts to the speed of the MLB game and how his throws are there. So I guess if you really want to get him more looks, that's that's fine. It's just, it's just kind of, as uh, I think uh, Jake pointed out, <laughs> like this is the same guy like three weeks ago they were making uh, take fly balls in left field. Yeah, now they want to see him at shortstop more. It's like, huh, I don't know if there's a plan here. Yeah, I mean, you know, the the, the truth is we just want to see his bat, you know, and, and they're going to have to figure out the rest mm-hmm. later. So there's no point moving him off shortstop now. Like, like, it's fine. Don't mess with him. Let him, you know, let him just work on his hitting for the rest of the year because it doesn't matter at this point. And there's only a handful of games left anyway. But but yeah, it, it's it's sort of like the Kristen Stewart thing. Like everyone kind of knew there were problems all through the, you know, we all, I mean, there were obviously more problems with mm-hmm. Kristen Stewart in left field than there are even with Willie Castro at shortstop. But the team will just keep telling you, oh, well, they're getting better. You know, we've seen real, you know, tangible signs of improvement. It's coming along. And then they get to the major league level and they're the exact same guy they always were. And yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's impossible not to question the organization when, uh, when they can't seem to improve those guys and they're kind of bullshitting us <laughs> the whole way along, you know? Yeah. Like we haven't even been able to like improve things very much as far as Willie Castro goes. Yeah. I mean, I just think he just doesn't throw on the run. Well, especially when he's moving toward first base, it seems like to me, like his, mm-hmm. uh, his lower half and the upper half of his body do not sync up well. And he tends to make these, you know, these wild throws where he drops his arm and is sort of off balance and doesn't need to be. So I don't know. I'd like to try it. I wish they would try him at second base. Like his, you know, the, the kind of waxing of his, his raw power, kind of fits in with him maybe moving over to, to second base and being a power hitting second baseman who, you know, for the most part is playing in shifts and playing deep. Um, you get him shorter throws. Mm-hmm. He's throwing across his body. So he doesn't have the, you know, the throwing in the same direction he's moving issue. And, and I would be willing to try that in the off season, but yeah, you sure wish they would, um, they would perform some of these experiments, um, you know, at the minor league level rather than having our young rookie pitchers suffer through them. <sighs> Yeah, you know, I, I think I was looking up that uh, I think the Tigers have 21 errors this year with the two. I don't, I don't know if they have any tonight. I think uh, I think there was one. Yeah, Paredes. Oh yeah, yeah. So, um, but five of them were from uh, Candelario at first base and Alcantara at third base. <laughs> it's like, oh, you mean these guys who've been moved to positions they aren't used to playing? All right, <laughs> shocking. Yeah. Yeah, and what's even what's even stranger? Hey, Derek Hill walk his first on base. Oh, hey, hey, there you go. Now uh, we want to see the first stolen base. Let's go. Let's get this done, just in case he never yeah. never comes back. Speaking of Derek Hill, too, <laughs> the other the other thing I wanted to address too during this uh, in the news kind of thing is that they, it was funny today. Tigers dot the Tigers Twitter had like a Derek Hill like Derek Hill cam, and I thought to myself, yeah. well. Wouldn't you have Derek? Wouldn't it be nice to have Derek Hill? I don't know, start a game for, so we can see the, what's going on there. I mean, if you have you're throwing Daz Cameron out there who is swimming at 0.3 or you know, 30 0.037 batting average and 
showing some good defense, but not hitting the worth a lick. Why don't you just put out Derek Hill, see if he can hit a lick, and go from there. I just thought it was fun. It was just thought it was ironic that they would put him out there with the camera when they're not even yeah. starting him. Yeah. Yeah, just like they brought them all in for all the promos and stuff. And then, uh, yeah, and then that guy just never just never appears. I mean, yeah. I mean, Derek Hill's another case where we, you know, we all follow the minor leagues closely. We kind of know that Derek Hill is, you know, pretty highly unlikely to hit and never be, you know, anything more than a defensive replacement pinch run type of type of player. But then you called him up, you know, and you seem to want to use him. But then you but then you also don't. And they don't put him in center field when they have, you know, Scooble or Boyd, like, you know, the, the fly ball pitchers. You don't see him out there. So, yeah, you know, it just all seems very murky. And, I, you know, the season's so weird. It's going to inoculate, you know, the Tigers and a lot of other teams from from some criticism on these things because we don't really know what's going on. Um, you know, there's the Jake Rogers issue. We don't know. I mean, is Jake Rogers really struggling defensively or is he getting carved up by, you know, Nolan Blackwood down there, like on a daily basis? And they just know he can't, you know, he has no chance to hit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's harder to to sort of figure those things out um, in this season. But, yeah, when they bring a guy up and don't play him, you know, especially when it's a guy, you know, I mean, Derek Hill's what, 24. Um, he's on the 40 man. You'd think that most teams would probably have either decided on a role for him and decided they're going to use him that way because they want to contend or, you know, they would just cut ties with him. But the Tigers, as so often as the case, don't do either of the things that, that you would think, you know, they don't go in, in any direction. They just sort of continue on. Yeah. It's the, it's the double Lugo, Lugo treatment. I think uh, although Lugo <laughs> yeah. got a lot more playing time than Hill, but this year it was like, you know, they kept him on the roster and he was just kind of there until they needed to cut him to bring yeah. up uh, Paredes. Yep. And there were some guys that were released along the way that may have, you know, actually helped them and they didn't, you know, didn't have a 40 man spot they wanted to use. And it's like, yeah, I I just there doesn't seem to be a lot of overall planning. I mean, the Tigers really do seem to kind of wake up some mornings, you know, like with no memory of the past, like, well, all right, we're going to do this today. And then, (laughs) yeah, Yeah, well, that's uh, long term. I I, uh, I think I compared it to. uh... In our chat the other day with uh, Chipman about uh, it just feels like they're almost like a basketball team that just plays the hot hand. Like, yeah. hey, he made a shot. Let's uh, get another start. And so that's yep. like, you know, Willie Castro, I, when he first came up, well, there we go. Is it going to stay fair? That's a home run? Sorry. Good home yeah. run. Yeah. Willie Castro, three-run bomb off Beaver. Wow. Off nice. Just snuck it in. I thought he was out. Just snuck it uh, into the inside the pole. Um, I don't have the TV in the studio on. Uh, sorry, but uh, no, yeah, no, 118th pitch. Uh, uh, he was very clearly he was done after he walked at Derek Hill, but I think Sandy Alomar left him left him in there. Um, why in the name anyway, of God it, do you have – sorry, but why in the name of God do you have Shane Beaver still in this game at 118 <laughs> pitches when you're up 10 nothing? What the hell? All right. Yeah, I mean that squares with what I've been seeing from uh, Cleveland fans about <laughs> Sandy Alomar's uh, recent I, – I guess he's – I don't know when uh, Francona stepped away. He's got some sort of stomach issues or whatever, but – Apparently, uh, I mean, Cleveland's got a. I think they had a seven-game losing streak heading into tonight. Yeah, they're struggling. Blamed on Alomar, so people are like, yeah, I don't know about him as a manager. So, yeah. but uh, in any event, what I was saying was, when when Castro first came up, it didn't really seem like they wanted to play him that much. He was the guy getting every other day off, while they could, uh, you, you know, had uh, Goodrum playing short, and, and then of course Goodrum got hurt. Uh, but now Castro he started hitting, so they're like, all right, well he's definitely our shortstop of the future now. It's yeah, like, I, I understand you got to uh, you got to react a little bit to the stimulus. But uh, again, the planning doesn't yeah. seem to yeah. be in existence. And, I mean, and the, the messaging, you know, like if they just if they just played him there and weren't like, you know, so dead set that he was their shortstop all of a sudden again. You know, I mean, if they were just playing him, mm-hmm. 
that would be okay, but they have to come out and make these statements that they shouldn't make when they don't really have a plan. Yeah. Yeah, not to mention too. They, they, they were talking about. I think it was. I think it was the Detroit News was talking about him being a Rookie of the Year candidate. I'm like, oh my god, ah, come on. Well, he is. Uh, I think he's fourth in the AL in WAR now. But uh, I think Kyle Lewis and Lou Bob are about uh, two WAR players right now, and, and Willie Castro is like point nine. Um, yeah, someone had a deadline and uh, no ideas or something. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Look, I mean, he's having, you know, thanks for the cheerleading Detroit news. We appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, look, he's having a great season, and I'm not disparaging that. And he's showing a lot of power. And there was a great uh, tweet by Kean that talked about his power, his potential. And he's he's getting up there, and that's that's great and all. But it's if he's doing this next year at the same time, September after a year of teams catching up, getting scout reports and all that. That's where I think that, and well, I, think that I think that's where it's, it's a good barometer right there. What are you gonna say, Chris? Oh, it just he's another. I mean, there are obvious. Uh, issues that haven't been exposed quite yet. The, you know, the, the BABIP is way high. Uh, it must be, it's fun for him to hit a home run against his former team for sure. But, uh, and he did walk tonight too. So we'd like to see some more walks and yeah, he's going to run out of some batted ball luck. But uh, yeah, I mean, he looks at the very least, he looks like a solid utility infielder for the next couple of years, at least with his bat and uh, get the glove going and maybe you have a starter. I don't know. We were uh, we were kind of talking about just just the process of of writing about the Tigers beforehand, and yeah, like I had um, I have a couple articles that have just c- consistently got like Jamer Candelario. Like I wrote I wrote the, probably the same piece you guys maybe have had. I saw one on Fangraphs today, and I didn't even want to read it because I was like, damn it, there's another one. So it's just you know like like the same ideas are are all around. And one one thing I I have I did talk about in that was going back to a guy's scouting numbers and kind of looking at you know like how fan graphs and baseball America evaluated them, especially guys who are, you know, in their mid twenties, like Candelario or, or even younger, like Castro and kind of seeing like how those things have held up or, or, or changed over time. And yeah, I mean, Willie Castro, just looking at fan graphs, you know, they had them, you know, 35, 35 hit 45, you know, future hit and raw power 45 current and future. And I think, you know, you might look at um, their, their fielding, um, estimates for him as a current 50 and a future 55 and say like, yeah, I don't know about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do think you have to, at least, I think like the one tangible thing you can say is that you have to bump up his raw power numbers. Um, mm-hmm. you know, he's probably more of like a 50, 55 at this point, cause he really has laid into some balls, um, to a degree that I didn't really expect And He has filled out a little bit over the past, you know, year and a half. He's, he's added some muscle and I think, you know, most of us kind of observe that. So, yeah, sometimes going back and just adjusting the dials a little bit on their um, their tool values um, is, is kind of a helpful exercise to see, you know, how, how far things have come along. And, and as a, like a quick reference, like is, is something different or is his hit tool still like, you know, best case scenario, 45. And I think it, you know, it still is <laughs> um, when you start yeah. seeing a ton of breaking balls and they kind of start figuring them out next year. You know, I mean, he's already striking out, you know, 27.5 percent of the time, um, which in today's game is not, you know, not impossible to uh to to field a guy like with that with those kind of numbers you know even candelario i think is more like 24 25 but but yeah you know it, it helps to kind of look at things that way i think sometimes but that 453 babbit yeah that is not going to hold up <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know enjoy it while it happens i suppose and, yeah. and it is it is fun to see him step up and hit those homers yeah yeah so, especially in um, a game like this where they're kind of getting their teeth kicked in at the moment <laughs> But yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I, I wonder what that Sorry, I just was curious what that did to Bieber's ERA. Oh yeah, yeah, probably doubled it. One point seven four. 
Oh, it was uh, it was one three eight before, and yeah, now it's one four one seven four. So now he's second behind Bauer. Nice work, Alomar. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> Good work, Eddie. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. So moving on there. So in terms of the before we get to our segments this evening, the the other thing that wanted to get to was the, the of course the looking at the playoff picture. Congratulations to the Chicago White Sox for. Getting in the postseason, they won today against the Twins at home. Jose Abreu gets to 50 RBIs, and he's having a phenomenal season. And yeah. for the White Sox, it was it, I, honestly, I for I did not. I mean, I expected them to get to the postseason based off their offense alone, but their pitching has stepped up big in the last few weeks. And of course, being up on the Tigers, the Tigers went for the season one and eight against them. I think it was something like that. And but that the, nine, I one, it was a one, one nine. Yeah. So it's but there's a lot of talk about, you know, looking at some of the possible MVP awards. But the Yankees and I mean, they're, they're the Yankees have kind of turned things around their back on after they're winning again. And also there was a stat that I saw tonight that was tweeted out earlier. It was the Tiger or the Yankees rather on the first team in Major League history, at least six home runs in three straight games. That's Freaking wow. ridiculous! So, but yeah, and that's uh, that's why Yankee Stadium for you. That's that's just yeah, and they it. have and it's they nice. have come back and yeah, and taken taken Toronto back down after Toronto made you know kind of a push maybe about a, about ten days ago. It seemed like Toronto finally had the upper hand. The Yankees are falling apart. There are all kinds of uh, articles being written written about the collapse of the Yankees, and yeah, they just they turned right back around and have won seven of their last ten. So, and I think I saw that uh, that uh, Luke Voigt hit his twentieth home run tonight. Yeah, and so he's the third Yankee ever to have twenty home runs through fifty games, joining Mickey Mantle and Babe Ruth. Wow! Yeah, they just keep and they just they just keep pulling a dude out like that just about every year. If it's not like a DJ LeMay who you know who, who was a yeah. veteran that, that suddenly erupted there, yeah, they just they find they just keep finding some guys. I don't think Mike Talkman has hit yeah. a hit a single home run, but he, you know, I think he's got like an on base percentage over four hundred last time I looked. Yeah, I was going to mention him, and then like the Aaron Hicks turned into a power hitter for them, and. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> so. Yeah, Maven did hit, hit for a lot of power there last year, strangely enough. Come on, Yankees. You know you want Miguel. He could still finish with 600 home runs. Think of all the merch. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, there's – and, you know, it's, it's speaking of uh, the postseason, too, I mentioned we mentioned earlier, the postseason will feature bubbles in Southern California and Texas. So the Rangers' ballpark is going to get some use that – did not expect or whatever whatever the the barbecue place looks like a grill which is a new t- that new ranger stadium looks like a grill uh the meme i saw yeah. that, that i saw it earlier this summer so how's yeah, going we, we're assuming that that is largely because it's a brand new stadium right that they're gonna do that that's correct yeah and maybe yeah. try to change the public opinion about that ranger stadium but i can't i still forever it's gonna look like a grill to me no matter and, what. and they're hoping to have fans right yeah but yeah so the the how the Rangers is going to work is the the eight best of three opening round series we played at the home stadiums of the better seeded teams. So then after that, the main teams will move in the bubbles with two American League division series at Dodger Stadium and Dodger Stadium, and then the other at Pepco Park. And and the NL will be at Minute Maid Park and the Globe Life Field, which is still a weird name. So then the LCS will be played in either San Diego. And Arlington with Game One of the World Series in Arlington or on October twentieth. So that, hmm. I mean, it's a World Series is going to be less than a month away. If you, that's kind of 
almost a month away if you think about it. So that's a lot of baseball in a short period of time, but that's how the postseason is going to line up. And for a lot of fans out there, I mean, the, the Tigers are four and a half. <laughs> I can't say this to your face. So that, but also what Man, Rob Manfield has announced that the expanded 16 postseasons likely remain beyond 2020, adding, quote, an overwhelming majority of owners have already endorsed this concept before the pandemic. And I think it's one of those changes that I hope they'll become a permanent part of the landscape. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it's, it keeps fans interested in all that stuff. But I wanted to ask you guys about that. I know that sometimes we tend to be somewhat snotty purists and what have you, but I think in some ways I understand why it keeps fans interested. It keeps, I, I thought about it this way. It keeps owners enough to go, you know what? I don't have to spend that much because we're in the postseason based off what we have now. And you guys are going to like it that way. That's one way to be a cynical look at it. But I don't know. It's just, that's to me, a team like Cleveland, for example, who barely spends any money and the, and the Nolans don't, Dolans don't do that. This is a way to say, hey, you know what? We're contending. We're close, but we're not going to go and get that player. But Yeah, and obviously, I mean, I, the reason that all the owners endorse that, you know, even prior to the pandemic is because there's a lot more money in, in postseason baseball. I mean, it, you know, we all know that, that that's exactly what this all comes down to. And, um, yeah, I don't think it's being too purist to want it to be more about, you know, more about the baseball. And, you know, we, we all resist kind of the the impact of some of the other sports you know particularly football um but even even basketball as well and people trying to kind of you know make make changes that are sort of the equivalent in in baseball because baseball just doesn't just doesn't work that way um you know even even basketball you know you've got 81 games but by and large on a night-to-night basis it's you know it's the two or three best players on either team against each other you know it's it's more of like a you know, a mano a mano kind of um, kind of a game, even, you know, even considering the, you know, obviously there's role players, there's the guys, you know, the, the having the genius off the bench, you can come in and, and get hot. There's all those other elements to it, but it is a little bit more straightforward, like, you know, your two stars, you know, versus my two stars. And then, you know, our role players will kind of, you know, sort out the rest. Whereas baseball, I mean, it is it's it's about, you know, performing consistently over six months, you know, over 162 games. And what what having such a long season illustrates again and again is how how much it matters that that the season is that long because almost anyone can get hot for a little bit um, get adjusted to maybe they adjust back I mean baseball is a is you know this this long marathon where there's all kinds of changes and ups and downs to it and it kind of has to be that way and yeah when you you know when you say that eight teams from each side can get in you know it, it does diminish the impact of the regular season to a degree. Um, and then they're also talking about, you know, having plenty of these three game postseason series and, you know, a three game series in baseball is just, you know, I mean, it's just nonsense. You know, it's not a it's not a real series where there's, you know, kind of an evolution of these two teams playing against each other. It's just sort of like, a, you know, you know, what what weird crap could happen tonight, you know, to, to cost one team the game and then the next, you know, and then after that, it's pretty much over. So. Yeah, I mean, none of this stuff really appeals to me. I don't mind if they want to have a longer postseason. Like, I, you know, we all watched the the WBC, the World Baseball Classic tournament um, back in the 2017. That's, you know, I mean, that's a really fun format. And having like a long playoffs where there's all kinds of drama and storylines that carry through. All that is cool. And I, and I don't mind it. I just don't want the, um, yeah, the postseason to be so devalued to where, you know, teams that are like, you know, sub 500 are getting in. Like, I, I don't like to see that. Um, you know, maybe it works for hockey, but even in hockey, like I never liked the fact that so many teams get in, um, you know, and the fact that 
hockey season ends up stretching, you know, until it's like 100 degrees outside and it's, you know, like <laughs> mid-July. None of that ever ma- ever really made sense to me. So, I mean, I think there are a lot of good reasons why, the, why this isn't an, a good idea. And the only reason that they want to do it is to make more money. And, you know, that's that's not my problem. And it's certainly not my concern. Um, they're making enough <laughs> as it is. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I I don't know if I was just naive when I was younger and not paying much attention or the commissioners did a better job of uh, hiding <laughs> what their main goals yeah. were. But, it, yeah, I mean, it, I don't remember it ever being so obvious that the commissioners are just working for the owners. They're, they're not there to preserve any sort of integrity of the game or anything like that. They just are, are working at the behest of the owners. Uh, and yeah, more money. Yeah, that's what they want. And, and all the changes that were supposed to be kind of temporary this year seem like they're going to be permanent now. The, the, the seven inning double headers seem likely the runner on second base. Yeah, it's just kind of they, they use this all as an excuse. It's the old uh, don't let a crisis go to waste. Right. You know, that they exactly. use it all as an excuse to cram in all the rule changes they wanted without having to renegotiate them in a, in a CBA or like traditional CBA. So, uh, yeah, and ran yeah, through I, the you know the changes in the minor leagues as well, which they they've been wanting yeah, to do for years as well. Now, I, what it, the, the latest thing we read uh, with Jim Callis thinks they're uh, it's actually be more like ninety teams instead of one hundred and twenty. Whoa! Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it, it's uh, a lot well, of. Well, this has all been predictable. We've all we've all talked about this for like two years, you know, and uh, so yeah, we, we, I mean, it wasn't wasn't unfortunately very hard to see what they're you know. It's not like they had some like sneaky veil over the whole thing that no one could tell what was going on either. They just did it, and they don't care what you think. And I don't. I, you know, theoretically, I wouldn't mind uh, like two more playoff teams. It does. It seems yeah. like the NFL. What do they have? They have twelve of their thirty-two teams make the playoffs and was it two teams or four teams get a buy? It, yeah. It's, two teams. There's a, there's a number in there. You know, it it kind of looks silly looking back and thinking, all right, there were like, there were at one point there were 26 or 28 teams and only four got into the playoffs. That seems a bit ridiculous, but yeah, 16 is just way too many. <laughs> it's just, and in particular, like Brandon was saying that if, if you have a 110 win team going against like a 78 win team in a three game series, that's just absurd. They, if they want to expand the playoffs, they need to figure out some way to benefit, you know, to, to keep the value in the regular season. Otherwise, yeah. it's just, yeah, there's not much point. Um, and we know, like, you know, the, anything can happen in the playoffs. And even, I mean, God, the, uh, was 2006, the, the Cardinals were like an 83-win team, I think, and won it all. But uh, I don't know. It, it just feels kind of gross to me. And it's very obvious, very clear money grab that, that – won't be good for the whole, the health of the game. I don't think. I think if you even do some like first half champions, maybe if you had a first half champion and the second, like like give them a first round buy, like do it that yeah. way. You know, like that. I mean, like because that wasn't what in eighty one they combined the records for the first half champion, and I forgot how I forgot how exactly how that worked. But in case I mean, honestly, with the way how long the season is, give them a reward for being the like. I know they did the Midwestern League, so. I mean, that'd be kind of cool to have, like, if you're the first-half champion and second-half champ, you get home field advantage and a first-round bye. But if you're just, you know what I mean, like, just kind of give, mm-hmm. kind of built in those incentives like that, I think that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, yeah I, don't hate, you know, I don't hate that at all, yeah. The, you know, I, I've never looked at, I'm sure somebody has studied this, uh, and, and this Tigers fans we know sort of, unfortunately, like, blaming long layoffs between the ALCS and the world <laughs> series for terrible performance. So like I baseball is a different animal than like the NFL. It's a very clear benefit to get a bye week You're, you're getting healthier. 
you have an extra week to study film and, and, and like, you know, download the strategies of the other team. In baseball, it just means you're not playing baseball for like a week. Um, yeah. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, it does give you a chance to get healthy. But so, yeah, I, I don't really know. It just, yeah, I don't know. Well, be, I mean, I mean, what you would like, like philosophically is that, you know, the way the regular season plays out would somehow, you know, be reflected in the playoffs. Like, you know, like that mm-hmm. relationship, you know, fundamentally is what should be preserved. And yeah, like the short series don't don't do that. And having teams that are that far down you know, down the list, um, get in and still be able to compete, you know, with, with, you know, like, yeah, like a 70, you know, 79 win team versus a, a 90 win team in, in sort of a DS or a wild card situation. Like, yeah, I mean, none of that really adds up, but I do think if you, if you tried to do that and split the seasons like that, I mean, that is, that there's a lot of complications to that approach definitely, but I do think that's, that's at least interesting. And it actually starts to bend, the regular season a little bit more toward, you know, two long runs rather than the marathon. And that would correspond a little mm-hmm. better to having like, you know, a little bit more of a sprint feel to at least the early part of the postseason. But yeah, like the, um, you know, the champ, the conference series and the, um, you know, and the world series, like if that's ever less than seven games, I'm, I'm not going to be happy about it at all. <laughs> so yeah, at, le- as, at least they have to preserve that. But yeah, I just, it just all feels um, you know, it, it just is all there to serve what's best for, you know, TV dollars, basically. And when that's the only criteria and yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know, we're all about the same age. I mean, thinking about the money used to be something that was kind of like you had to hide it. Yeah. In the, you know, back when I was a kid in the eighties, at least you, you didn't talk about that stuff outwardly, you know, like that was like the adult thing. Well, you know, like, look, follow the money. Now everybody knows to follow the money. And so no one even bothers hiding it. It's just all about the money. <laughs> so yeah, they're just going to kind of do what they want to do. But, um, but yeah, it, it sucks. And we're seeing tons of jobs lost all over the game that are never going to come back now, unfortunately too. Yeah. I mean, even yeah. Like, yeah. there was a, it, it, this postseason's going to be an example of no time off and see how that really affects time. Like just be a good social experiment on, okay. So teams don't really have any time off whatsoever in between games. It's literally, I mean, we're just like, like I said, the World Series is going to be less than a month away, and we're going to have all these postseason games going on and not much of a break between two teams. So maybe their Tiger fans could either be justified with saying, hey, see, see, uh, time off uh, really hurt us or not. So it's it might create a whole thing of excuses coming up. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you- and that goes to, to what Brandon was saying. Like part of the beauty of the seven-game playoff uh, series in baseball is – you, you know, you, you get you go face a guy twice in five or six days or whatever and um, say, you know, Verlander tears you up in the first game. But then you get to see him again in a couple of days and you've figured out his game plan and stuff like that. Like or vice versa. He he figures a different way to be like, that's the fun of these seven game series. And if it's just the three games in three days, you're not going to see you might see a reliever maybe uh, all three games, but probably no more than twice. And it's just, yeah, it doesn't doesn't feel as strategic or as interesting to me. Yeah. And if you have. And if you do the same thing, but try to have, okay, we're going to have five game series, the first two, and then, and then go to seven, you know, now, now we're looking at stretching yeah, the, the post into the Christmas into November. Yeah. <laughs> and something, you know, I think we've, we've probably talked about it one time when I was on here before, but, and I've written about it before is just how much, um, how much longer the season is for guys now, you know, like people, you know, 
naturally like old timers like to look at modern pitchers and think like, oh, none of these guys even go, you know, six innings, you know, consistently. And there, hardly anybody throws 200 innings before. But it's also true that, I mean, you look through a lot of, you know, I, I've done this with Verlander and, and Scherzer. And, you know, a lot of a lot of those seasons where they throw 220 innings, you know, then they throw another 30 innings in, in the postseason. Um, and if you keep stretching that out, you know, times are just different. Guys throw harder. Um, you know, pitching is more taxing than it was, you know, whatever any old timer wants to tell me about like the seventies and the sixties, like dudes were averaging 89 back then. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> like you were, you know, yeah. it wasn't a max effort thing, you know, like you'd use your best fastball as a specific pitch, you know, like, but, but, you know, average fastball velocity was way lower than it is now. So yeah, I mean, there, there's a toll that can be taken there and you keep stretching that thing back. And then what will happen of course, is that they'll say, well, all right, the regular season doesn't, doesn't need to be this long. We're only going to have 144 games or, you know, yeah, we're just going to we're going to have 162, but we're also going to have, you know, 20 double headers, you know, that are seven, seven innings a piece. And you can bring up a couple guys from triple A and that kind of goes down, you know, and that is going to have an effect on the minor leagues that we're also seeing in the way they're going to cut things where there's going to be like a rookie ball developmental level. There's going to be a low A and there's going to be a high A and the high A level is going to be guys who you know, could get used in the major leagues almost at any point. It's not going to be like there's the buffer and, and double A's kind of gotten that way already. So, you know, that's not crazy, um, but, but it's definitely going to be different. Um, that's for sure. There's all, it's, it's going to be weird to come back to a regular season and then have this many changes to, to digest again in that format. So yeah, it's going to be wild, but yeah, they're kind of just doing what they want. You know, there isn't really even a pretense to, to convincing the fans that this is better for the game or anything like that. It's just sort of like, no, we can do whatever we want now. And you're either going to like it or you aren't. Yeah. And I, I don't think they'll give up the 81 home gates or whatever, but I do think you'll, you'll, I think you're, you're right on with the scheduled double headers. So they'll get two gates out of that fewer innings. Um, (laughs) Yeah. It's still the same number of games. So yeah. And, And then season will end sooner, but yeah, I don't know. It's all coming. I think, uh, you know, changes aren't always bad, but these ones don't feel too great to me. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get used to it. It'll still be baseball, yeah. but um, like if we're going to do all this, can I at least get the goddamn robot umps? Because I, I swear this has been the worst year and maybe it's just because it's been compacted. But the umpiring this year has has driven me insane. And I'm usually like, you know, the most kind of sanguine about it. And maybe that's you know, that's because you figure you can make it up, you know, it all balances out over the course of a long season and it doesn't feel quite that way in a, in a short season, but, but man, they, they've had a, just a brutal year from my perspective. It's not been very good at all. Yeah. It's been very, very inconsistent. I mean, especially when it comes out to the outside of the zone, it's been atrocious, just how bad that's been going on. And so it's just, it's not even just angel for angel Hernandez anymore either. It's a lot of the umps, with the lack of consistency. It could be lack of preparation. You can blame it on whatever you want to blame it on. But yeah, I, I agree with you. Just give me some give me some damn auto robots from Super Baseball twenty twenty and call it a day. So it doesn't have to look any different, you know, it doesn't have to be scary or anything. The ump is still gonna be back there. The umps are still gonna be making all the calls. They're just gonna have a little watch on them that tells them, you know, what the what the call is and they just make it. And that's yeah, I, I need I need that now. I need to see that. <laughs> I can't. We can't go on like this. It's like um, you know, we've made the, the comparison before between like instant replay and stuff. It's just, you know, we've all studied framing. We've all looked into how pitcher or how catchers receive, and we have a better idea now of what to watch for with that. Um, all these different things start to bring that focus more and more onto how often the umpires are wrong. And it's eventually got to necessitate a change, just like instant replay showed us how many times umps were wrong 
on calls at bases. And eventually that's just an untenable, you know, position for a league to take to just be like, well, that's just the way it is. And, you know, that's that's part of the human element. You know, eventually everybody's like the human element sucks. Stop. So, yeah, I have to imagine that's coming fairly soon, too. Um, it sounds like the, the initial experiments in the Arizona Fall League, you know, revealed some tweaking was required. But uh, but I assume they're going to get there fairly soon. Yeah, but uh, it's time to, to, speaking of things to get too soon. It's time for Inside the Numbers this week. And so, Brandon, you're our guest this week. Give us your Inside the Number. OK, let's say, you know what I wanted to uh, what I wanted to talk about, but we already kind of talked about, unfortunately, and I should just use my number then. But uh, but basically, I just wanted to look at two, two numbers from Willie Castro. One is his defensive run saved at shortstop over the past you know two seasons when he's when he's gotten a look. And it's a very simple number. It's very straightforward to understand. It doesn't take a whole lot of, uh, you know, new age finagery to uh, to figure this out. You know, he's got a negative eight defensive run saved over over two years. And that's a very minimal amount of, of, of chances this year. Negative five. That that cannot happen to your shortstop. And that, you know, and that is going to be the thing um, that, that's on my mind a lot this offseason is you've got him. You've got. You know, Nico Goodrum, you've got Isaac Paredes, and you've got Jamer Candelario. So how, so how would you fit a Jonathan Scope in? You know, how how are they going to go about using these guys? Because I, I, what, what's so scary to me about the, the rebuilding process, if we're going to call it that, is that, you know, we're into that point now where you've got a whole bunch of guys who don't have a particularly good chance of being a regular, but are good enough to, like, show flashes. And the Tigers are the type of team to give dudes like that, like, three years um, to, to prove it. And, um, and yeah, so can we at least put Willie Castro at a different position and see if he can play it? Because if the bat plays great, but he cannot be your shortstop, nothing has changed. Alan Trammell's been working with him for two and a half years. If Alan Trammell can't fix this man and he's at the major league level now, it's not going to get any better. So please accept this Tigers, accept that number and, uh, and do something about it going forward. All right, Chris, what about you? Uh, my number, I, I always sneak two in because it's fun that way. Uh, my numbers are 94.8 and 450. Um, and that 94.8 is the average exit velocity against non-fastballs thrown by Joe Jimenez. Ooh. The, uh, that 450 is the number of pitchers in baseball who have had at least 10 non-fastballs put into play. And Joe Jimenez is number one with a bullet by nearly a <laughs> mile per hour. Next closest is 94. Uh, there are only eight pitchers with an average exit velocity on, on non-fastballs over 93 and only 19 over 92. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's had uh, 20 balls in play against sliders and change-ups. He's got five ground outs, four fly outs, two line outs. That's the good part. Uh, then two singles, mm -hmm. three doubles, and four home runs. Oof. So, not great. And, and in case you were wondering, uh, there are 332 pitchers who have had 25-plus uh, fastballs put into play. And uh, Jimenez's average exit velocity on those is 92.7, uh, which is the 38th highest. So he's just getting hit hard in general. But he's not he's, he's not the worst on the team in that regard. He's, he's uh, Schreiber is 16th, Norris is 21st, and Cisnero is 35th. So he's only fourth on the team in getting rocked on fastballs. If you want, uh, <laughs> if you want a silver lining. <laughs> we have some weird pitchers. Yeah. Wow, like, yeah. the, the, the inconsistent effectiveness of some of these guys has led to a lot of lot of questions. Like, how can Matt Boyd go out and not give up, you know, tons of hard contact one one game and the next game he just gets destroyed. And yet his strikeout and walk numbers continue to just be excellent. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know, we just got a lot of a lot of oddities like that. 
So yeah, I mean, there are games when I'm like convinced that uh, Boyd is tipping his pitches, or there's somebody's cheating, and then the next game he throws the exact same stuff, and nobody gets him. Like I, I don't understand. Nothing makes any sense. Yeah, the only thing, the only answer for that I got is the, the separation and release point fastball slider. That's that's the only thing I can I can think of because yeah. it is a lot wider than than average, and some teams pick up on it and some don't. I guess. Yeah. 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 This deception's always kind of. I don't know. The mechanics seem the same too, but so my number yeah. my number is zero or point one oh one oh eight and that's the batting average against the four seam fastball against Drew Polymerits of the San Diego Padres. And the reason why I point this out because I was kinda of looking things over a little bit. Paul Rance <laughs> is a guy that usually throws like a five pitch mix and he's been exclusively out of the bullpen this year for the Padres. He's a closer but he's just throwing a four-seamer and a curveball. And you look at the the reason why I mentioned his batting average against that is his fastball, which has been average anywhere from 92 to 89, is up a tick to 94.7. And so he's only throwing his, he's throwing his four-seamer and curveball. 77% of the time his fastball, 22% his curveball. And that's it. And he's been virtually unhittable. And... The whip percentage against that is 31%, so which is a little higher than his norm with his four-seamer. And I just find that pretty impressive considering that you always think of, like, guy there, you know, out west out there, there's also Victor Gonzalez of the Dodgers who's got a really good slider. But it, that number just took out to me for whatever reason because for the Padres, they're, I think they're going yeah, to be in the postseason. And big success because of their bullpen and, their, and some of the – some of, some of the success stories there, but Palmer Vance, Palmer, ah, fucking a man. Um, sorry, <laughs> Drew is just killing it. I mean, he's doing a really good job, and considering that worries his career has come from to now. Um, he also, by the way, no barrels. He's not given up a single barrel this season so far, and his exit velocity has gone from a ninety point two two years ago to eighty six point seven. So whatever he's doing. Keep it up, young man. So wow, yeah, stay in the bullpen, Drew. That's that's for sure. He kind of you know yeah. that, that kind of makes me think of Justin Wilson. Oh yeah, just stylistically, obviously not effectiveness wise, but it seems like there's more of those. I mean, obviously Hater. There's a lot more of these like you know super hard throwing you know riding fastball left-handers who don't really need too much else to succeed as a reliever. Um, it seems like there's there's quite a few of those guys around the game, and the Tigers have two guys that are similar to that in. You know, in Norris and Scooble, although um, obviously Tark Scooble's looking much more like he could be a very, very good starter. But, um, but you know, I noticed like the, in terms of like left-hander four-seam spin rate, you know, Daniel Norris and Tark Scooble are both, um, well, let's see, top 22. Scooble's 22nd. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, we've got those those two guys who are who are kind of similar to that. Um, and I think it, it's going to be interesting to see which way the team goes with both of them. Like obviously Scooble's not hard to figure out. He's going to start. But, you know, yeah, could you could you turn Daniel Norris into some kind of guy like that? You know, would the Tampa Bay Rays be able to pull that off or someone else um, and just use him in, in quick bursts? And could could that work? Yeah, you, you, there's there's stuff there for, for Norris. You figure like there's there's got to be a way to for somebody to figure it out. But no, I you know, with Pomeranz, I was just thinking you know, he was a number five overall pick in a draft. And it, yeah. you, you kind of. You look back and go, well, that wasn't all that great of a pick. But then I, I just checked. He's 10th all time in, in war for a number five overall pick. It's like, all right, wow. well, you know, it's just another one of those things where we always kind of envision the top draft picks always working out really well. And this is kind of what success looks like. Drew Pomeranz, a 
guy who was a starter. He's been traded like four times, and now he's found mm-hmm. a niche in, in the bullpen. Yeah, but like it's Andrew a Miller, back. I guess. Yeah, been a lot of you know, been a lot of injuries and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was uh, so much has happened with him. It was like, was it twenty seventeen when Dombrowski traded for him? Like a lot of people have had this idea with him and not and not been able to yeah. uh, make it reality. So, yeah. Yeah, they traded. Uh, remember that. Anderson, that, Espinosa? Espinosa. Oh yeah, yeah, and I like that guy. It, it just uh, I think too many injuries with him. Yeah, I mean at the time he was like a top fifty prospect and, and like super young pitching prospect. Like oh yeah, and then Bossy's like no get out of here, and uh, yeah, smart enough. Yep. Yeah, I mean for credit where credit's due, the, for the we were it just really kind of gave the the Padres a steady bullpen presence and yeah. I what more can you ask for? So it is time for the good, the bad, and ugly this week. And all right, well, we're hitting uh, hitting the West Coast finally, uh, the National League West this time. And my good is Manny Machado, who uh, I don't know. I feel like he might be getting a little bit overshadowed by how uh, awesome and fun Fernando Tatis Jr. has been. But uh, Machado is uh, having the best season of his career. And obviously, it's a short season, but he's got a career high walk rate, career low strikeout rate, career high isolated power. Career high batting average, career high uh, weighted runs created plus, and he's still playing well above average defense. I think he's the second ranked third baseman behind Rendon. Um, and, you know, it's always silly in a 51 game stretch to take it out and ex- extend it to the full season, but let's do it anyway. Uh, he'd be looking at probably about a 320 average with 40 home runs, 120 runs, 120 RBIs, and, and at least seven more, if not eight, uh, if he kept playing like this. Man. Uh, and one thing that's a small bummer about this. I, I don't know if it'll end up mattering, but because uh, he's in his age 20, I guess it's technically his age 27 season, but he, he turned eight, 28 shortly after July. And he's already at 40 career war. So he's got a good chance of making the Hall of Fame. But this is, uh, you know, in a full season, if he were playing this well, that might push it up to 45 and that could have a, an ultimate impact down the road. And, and particularly um, if he doesn't win the MVP, you know, the MVP award would always looks nice on the shelf. But uh, anyway, yeah, he's been playing really well and I thought it was worth noting. Yeah. Uh, my so, bad. Especially because that first, sorry, but yeah, that like when he was first traded out there, you know, it was like a little bit, you know, underwhelming in, in his beginning. And, and Eric Hosmer didn't actually get off to a very good start when they traded for him either. So, yeah, there was kind of like, a, oh, have they blown it and, and gone too hard, too fast, too soon? But no, it all seems to be working out. Yeah, it, it almost feels like those guys are like energized now or something or, or maybe the long term plan plan, you know, is working. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, my, my bad is the Diamondbacks pitching staff. Uh, <laughs> they are giving up the second most home runs in baseball at, at uh, I think, 1.78 per nine, uh, just behind Boston at 1.8, just ahead of Detroit at 1.69. Uh, and that this was before tonight. I don't uh, – what it, Jose Ramirez had two more against the Tigers tonight. But, uh, yeah, they've given up 87 home runs in 51 games this year, which would be 276 in the regular season, which would be the second most uh, of all time. Uh, behind last year's Orioles, which I think they gave up like 305. So that was <laughs> it. Uh, a tough one. But uh, yeah, the, the real bummer is that they've only hit 46 home runs. So they've given up 41 more home runs than they've hit, which is, uh, yeah, that's just one aspect of an all-around awful year in Arizona. I, I didn't expect them to be this bad this year. I don't think they did either. Um, and, and one of the biggest culprits there is my ugly, Madison Bumgarner. Yeah. And, uh, not just his face. <laughs> uh, and I, I think I may have even used him as an ugly before, but uh, yeah, he bears repeating. He's having a terrible season. Uh, he's kind of the opposite of Machado. Career low strikeout rate, career high walk and home run rate, career high ERA and FIP, career low fastball, uh, 
mile per hour by three miles an hour. So like a drop that drastic is almost certainly an injury uh, related, you would think. Yeah. And I think he, he was on the shelf for like a month with a back strain. Uh, and he's the sort of guy who would probably stubbornly pitch through all sorts of injuries. So I, I don't want to make too much of it. But uh, yeah, I mean, he came back for a couple starts and wasn't very good. And then his last outing, he gave up 13 hits and eight earned runs. Um, he has ERA is 8.53 right now. And he's been worth negative 0.8 war so far this year. Yikes. He's uh, 13 home runs he's given up in 31 and two thirds innings. Uh, and I was looking in 2011, he gave up 12 home runs in 204 innings. So, I mean, obviously moving from from San Francisco to Arizona probably doesn't help that much, but uh, still. And, I, you know, what kind of makes this the ugly uh, even more is that this is just the first year of his five year, eighty five million dollar deal with Arizona. Yeah. And it was <laughs> yeah. it was very light on the front end. So he's got he's owed seventy nine million over the next four seasons. Oh man! <laughs> and, and apparently, fifteen million of it is deferred till the three years after that. But uh, yeah, I mean, if if he if this is the new Bumgarner, and I you know I don't think it is. Although he always struck me as somebody who might just completely fall off the table in a Jared Weaver manner. Um, <laughs> yeah. That uh, yeah, I mean, you're looking at four years of some real ugliness, but uh, we'll see. All right. Yeah, it was always kind of deception and, and command with him. I mean, he never had. Well, briefly, he had the pretty big fastball. But yeah, I mean, he's he's kind of been getting by with with you know just commanding fastball, changeup, decent breaking ball for a, for a long time now. And he's getting older. Got a lot of a lot of work on that arm. So yeah, those those decisions can always you know that's that's yeah. why there is some sense that it's not bad that the Tigers do have at least a stockpile of pitching, even though now we all are like, Oh my God, where are the bats going to come from? We need the bat. Yeah. But, but yeah, spending lots of money on pitching is uh it's usually bad business. You know, we saw, we saw Zimmerman pitch tonight and there you go. Yeah. Five years. They should trade, uh, million. If we, if we sat down and, and thought about where Spencer Turnbull would be most, um, most useful to a team. I always think it's the, the teams that, you know, are in, in dry places with, um, you know, home run parks and uh, yeah, Arizona, mm-hmm. why don't you just call us, bro? <laughs> yeah. I'll trade you Spencer Turnbull. We never know what we're going to get. You know, we know we'll it's going to be good. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's, you know, what's funny. You were talking about like the free agent spending for pitching. It's always, it turns out to be, especially when I was doing the article today about Jerry Walker and how much they spent on Mike Moore. And then later the following year on Tim Belcher, it was just ugh, two names that among Sonics and Tigers history. And I shudder just how much money was wasted on that but uh anywho. it's risky i, I know yeah. a lot of our cubs friends uh last night were were talking about john lester and and i think that worked out pretty well for the cubs yeah that yeah, definitely helps so. to put them over, uh, put them over for sure <clears throat> all right brandon what about you what is your good and bad ugly this week well you know i kind of switched it because we started talking about him and i had been thinking about him the other day and uh this is this is a simple one but you know for the good i just want to mention uh shane beaver because tigers fans saw him tonight uh, in, in his glory, other than Willie Castro bombing on him with his uh, last pitch of the night. But man, those his numbers are just crazy. That K-9 is, you know, 14.2 right now, 41.3% strikeout rate. Um, Cleveland is a is, a, is just a producer of un, unreasonably great pitching talent um, that they don't have to draft in the first round. And 
despite the fact that they can't find very many hitters and have made some bad deals along the way, um, that is an, another thing that ter- terrifies me about the AL Central is that you don't just have to worry about the the, the White Sox coming on strong. But, um, you know, the Indians just keep churning these dudes out, and you can always trade these pitchers for bats. And so until this stops, um, this is not going to go away with the Indians being kind of a problem. <laughs> so, yeah, 14, uh, yeah, what was it, 41.3% strikeout rate, 6.5% walk rate. I mean, it's just evil. Yeah. He's uh, he's an evil man. Um, his whip is 0.87. <laughs> batting average off of him is just 0.174 and he seems like he might just be able to kind of keep doing this because um it's it's all just part of a, of a progression for him um where he's just gotten better and better each of the last few years so good for you cleveland jerks um so yeah there's the good as far as the bad i'm going to switch over to um san diego now um but still with the cleveland tie-in because i just want to be annoying and emphasize this point but, um, you know, Mr. Mike Clevenger was a very bad, bad boy this year and um, got, got himself in a lot of trouble both on social media and um, with his team for going out and breaking quarantine and dragging the, the young, hapless, innocent Zach Plesak along with him and then uh, and then giving everyone crap all over, you know, whenever they started coming after him online. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, I've always liked Mike Clevenger, but, um, but he's turned into a bad guy this year and uh, got himself out of Cleveland to the right team, which is the San Diego Padres, where he is immediately picked up right where he left off and uh, is pitching very well out there for them. Um, so I will mention him. And then as far as the ugly, and I'm gonna just take some liberties with, with, with what is ugly. Most of what the ugliness involved in my my ugly tonight is the, um, the arm health history of one Drew Smiley. Um, mm. to, to just take a left turn on this. And since we're talking about, you know, high spin, four seamen lefties um, out of reasonably high, high arm slots who um, c- could be converted to relief. I want to just mention Drew Smiley because he is once again back. He has thrown 16 innings um, for the San Francisco Giants. And he looks like his old self again um, to some degree. The walks are still there, but he's punching guys left and right. The fastball looks good. And I would really, really like to um, to try to bring a guy like this back and convert him to a reliever because he just cannot hold up to a starter. So can we please look for a guy like that and bring him here, Tigers? Even if it's Daniel Norris. If Daniel Norris turns out to be that guy, that's fine. But I want one of these guys. <laughs> <laughs> Jim Leland saw it yeah. 10 years yep. ago. He knew. He knew. He didn't see it in Rick uh, in Rick Porcello enough to ever use him in the postseason. Reasons, <laughs> but, you know, we're over all that. Yeah, no. And... Not to mention, too, for the thing about Drew Smiley, too, is it's just Tampa Bay all said, hey, you know what? Just go from this side of the mound and then it just changed everything. <laughs> and so it's, uh, yeah, of course, you know, did the Tigers pick up on it? No, but it's OK. It's no, it's all right. Yeah, we, we yeah, it is what it is. Maybe the White Sox will cut Ronaldo Lopez, who's another guy whose stuff I love, who uh, never performs well and we can fix him. <laughs> oh, yeah, Except even, against the Tigers. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say that. Except against the Tigers. So, all right. So my good and bad, my good and bad, and the ugly this week is go. It goes to, same thing. Go out to the West Coast, and that is one in this a pitcher who you might not think of when it comes to Cy Young, Cy Young talk, and that's out in terms of a possible candidate, and that would be Nielsen Lamette, the San oh, yeah. Diego. Padres pitcher who's having a really good season 59 innings 79 strikeouts his record I mean when this is why win wins and losses don't really matter when you look at the numbers deep down inside he's got an ERA 2.12 he's got a whip of 0.89 
and his K per nine is 12. And he's been really a, a stable force behind the Padres postseason berth. He's been he's got a, a war of 2.1, which I don't know what the equivalency would be right now. Um, Chris, would that be something maybe like that? He's got a 2.1 war right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, or five and a half, the, six. Mm. Yeah, over the course of a whole season. Yeah, yeah. So you're looking at a guy who, by the way, I mean his career career last two seasons have not been. I mean, he had always he always had high strikeouts. He had 105 strikeouts in 73 innings pitched last year, and 14 starts. But he's putting it together well this year, and so for the Padres, that's that's good. And so I we have to tip of the cap to him. And you mentioned. I saw was it Clayton Kershaw's fastball velocity has increased, and there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of good stories out NL West right now. But I think for for Nielsen, this is this is huge, and for the Padres, to definitely come in the postseason to have a guy, a guy like that throwing the way he has been. I mean, I don't know if they'll beat the Dodgers. The Dodgers are really damn good. So, um, but yeah, it's a pretty good it's a pretty good matchup. Um, yeah. that, that one's going to be really fun to talk about. And yeah, Lamet, you know, he's an interesting pitcher because. It's all fastball slider. That's all he throws. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this year he's actually lowered his fastball usage to 46%. He's one of the few guys who's throwing more breaking balls than fastballs. And he's only throwing the one breaking ball. He's throwing it 54% of the time, basically. Um, yeah. You don't, you don't think people can get away with that, but he just has such a great slider. It is a monster slider and a really good fastball. Yeah. His K rate is among one of the, la- I mean, it's, it's 34.1%. And he's dropped his walks from 9.6 to 7.3. Yeah, you're right, Brandon. But that, I mean, that slider, the spin rate on that is 2,623, which puts him, I believe, one mm-hmm. of one of the best in the league, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's so, be. yeah, I'm, yeah, that's it's uh, it's kind of the old because his fastball sits like 97. It's the yeah. old, uh, basically, the Edwin Jackson's best year with the Tigers, where he was just fastball slider, basically. Uh, it, you take a, a reliever arsenal, but you amp it up to like 11, and there you go, and, and he can hold it. So. Yeah, yeah he's, you just, uh, just got to protect him against like the top of the lineup the third time through, and you know, and you can be all right, especially if you can use the slider a bunch of different ways and yeah, shape it a little bit. Yeah, and speaking of things that are not being shaped, unfortunately for the bad, and I'm sorry, and I know as a fan of this guy, and I still am, and I'm so rooting for him, and hopefully things come together. Is one Matt Hall, who didn't make mm. he came up, he was the beginning of you saw in the start of the season, he didn't do too well, and then. August second, then that was it. And then he appeared recently against the against the Jays and against the Rays, and didn't get much better. One two thirds innings against the Jays, four hits, six runs, four walks, two strikeouts, and then against Tampa, just on the eleventh, two two point one innings, six four six hits, four runs. His ERA on the season is eighteen point six nine, and I think. Maybe maybe a situational. I mean, now the you have to have one inning minimum, but I feel bad for him because he still has a really good curveball spin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's still yeah. it's still really good, but just not doing too well right now in Boston. So they're hitting that spin rate out of the ballpark. Um, it's actually, you know what though, he's only given up to be to be fair though, he's only given up oh, four home runs in. Eight, well, never mind. All right, that's bad. Okay, sorry. It was just. It was, <laughs> <laughs> You know, he could he could be a decent reliever still though. Yeah, yeah. just just yeah. a bad spot and a bad role on a bad team. I think. Yeah, yeah and, and like you said, right, you know, he's got one of the highest uh, spin rates in his curveball, so he's going to keep getting chances for teams who are like, oh, maybe we can fix him. Yeah, so, yeah. 
I mean, I, th- I think like a team like the Padres or the even for that matter, for the Giants for a matter, I think the Giants could fix them. The Giants seem to do wondrous things with, mm-hmm. with whomever they have to come in contact with. So I, I think in the right situation, I think Matt Hall would be a lot better off. But the, it's such a crap show in Boston right now. They're they're talking about tanking and getting a the the first there would be there would be the first time in their team history if they got the number one overall pick. They've never had the number one overall pick, which blows my mind. But it's true they have not. So and my other yeah, and, not, and so keep keep track of the Red Sox out there, folks. If you want a, a good comparison um, with the Tigers rebuild and see three years from now, um, does Heim Bloom have the Red Sox ahead of the Tigers? Because I suspect he will. <laughs> yeah. They also, um, by the way, yes, it seems almost certain. Certain. Yeah, and they, they did bring up their their draft pick, the 2020 bat pick, to camp today. They announced that today, which I read speculation that they think that they're going to have with the way that the fall camps and no Arizona, the possible, I'm not sure if they're doing the Arizona fall league or not, but the speculation is they would do their own extended camp at Pawtucket in October. Which, uh, which draft pick? They're, they're this, they're, this year's draft pick. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, they spent... Well, they, who is it? They they drafted that uh, slugger from Mississippi, right? And who else did they take? The high school With kid, Blaze right? Jordan. Yeah, Blaze Jordan. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, who else did they? Uh-oh. Oh, and they, they they it was like the uh, second baseman out of California or Arizona that kind of surprised everybody. I forgot. Um, I forgot his name. Oh, Nick. Uh, York. Nick York. Nick York. Yes. God, thank you. Yeah. So. It's still, we're so into the draft, and then all the I know, and then it all just goes away. <laughs> Especially because it was Boston, and I think I thought in my yeah. head, like, "How oh, did they even have a first round pick?" I can't remember. Yeah, no. yeah. I mean, it, it, it's it, it's what's what's fascinating about that too is like every pick we we're talking about picks. We we knew guys left and right, and all of a sudden, I'm like, "Who? What?" It's, it's yeah. bad. Um, and I wanted to mention this as a. I think it's a good that we can all agree on. And but I before I get to my ugly. Was MLB announced something really, really cool that I didn't think that was possible, and it shows that they weren't the Grinch for one moment, perhaps. <laughs> and that is what they're doing with Google in terms of setting up highlights. So now you can go to the MLB Film Room, which is powered by Google Cloud, that fans can, or anybody for that matter, um, 3.5 million, yeah, 3.5 million free clips that you can actually put clips together, up to five clips. And what I saw today was a number that stood out was 200. It's already it's it's exploded. 200. The search alone has increased by 240 percent for baseball videos alone. Oh, yeah. So baseball actually doing the right thing and not charging people for it. Yeah. Kudos to you. Well, yeah, and I, I think that's been one of – I think baseball laps just about every other major sport. I mean, I haven't dug into too much, but the whole MLB advanced media side of baseball, all the stat cast stuff, all that stuff, you know, and how readily available it is. I mean, it's not open source like uh, Pitch, Pitch FX was, but – or not, I guess, no open source, but, you know, um, I guess open it's data. Like broad, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. but uh, – but yeah, for for as a fan service, I think it's been fantastic. And, and you're right; like it, it's the sort of thing they probably could charge money for, but they they don't. At least, uh, I mean, you have to have like an account or whatever. But uh, yeah, it, it's fun. And we all it's, remember when uh, you know, I mean, how many people have we have we seen you know cut clips and and have them get taken down off Twitter or get yeah. cease and desist notices over the years? And MLB's response, you know, their, their defense for for all that was always like. 
look, eventually we're going to get to the point where, you know, you'll have all this stuff and, you know, and we won't have, you know, varying quality and all the, and they, and it all sounded like BS three or four years ago, but they, they came through, they finally did it. And, uh, yeah, yeah it's pretty cool. I mean, even last year you could kind of, ser- you know, you could search through, if you look through Statcast on Savant, you can open up like all of the guys sliders for a year and go down mm-hmm. the list and watch a little clip of all of them. Um, and for baseball writers, yeah, maybe more than anybody else, it's, uh, it's been really nice to have all that searchability in the, in the function. For sure. Yeah. And it's something that I, again, did not expect that to happen because baseball tends to, I mean, when they, when they had the whole situation with the pitching ninja last year, that was just, I thought it was ugly and kind of just ridiculous. But speaking the, what my, my ugly this week, and it was kind of ridiculous in the first place, the first couple games I watched, cause I was watching the games and it, 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 how stupid am I not to think this, but originally the, three-game series for the Padres and Mariners was moved due to the air quality concerns. Because so I was watching the game, see, you know, I'm like, why is it so smoky? Is it the camera? And then it didn't occur to me the West Coast fires could go that far up. And that was how dumb I am about it. And they had to re- they're, they're, they moved it to Petco Park because of what's going on across the West Coast. But that whole situation's ugly. I just feel really bad for all the, all the carnage that's going on with the, those fires and um, – I guess the air quality is un- unhealthy for sensitive groups. It's supposed to it's supposed to clear up soon, but still, it it is just the whole situation sucks. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you have asthma or something, yeah. it's just got to be a nightmare right now out there. Yeah, and just seeing like the the video of people like uh, taking the windshield wipers to wipe the soot instead of rain or anything uh, like that. It's just the whole situation sucks for everybody out there. And so, but yeah, that's that's why I wanted to mention as the ugly. Was, What's up, Chris? Yeah, you know, just some of the some of the stories uh, out of that are just absolutely heartbreaking. And then you think of just the sort of inconvenience. I get upset if I lose power for like three hours. Yeah, and, you know, <laughs> a day is a disaster. Like I should get a generator, but they're they're losing power for five days a week, and they can't even use solar powered stuff because there's too much uh, smoke in the air. Yeah. It doesn't. Yeah, like, the, the sun doesn't get through. It's so diffused. And, and like you even saw that a couple days ago, it, the smoke had reached here. At least the the upper levels of the atmosphere were. The sun, yep. I, you know, you look up at the sun at dusk and you feel like you're in Star Wars. It was like yeah, that's weird, what... hazy, bright red. Yeah, and, and yeah. Cool like, 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 oh, that's no with fun. like this, this sort of like burning yellow rim around the edges. Yeah. Of the yeah. yeah, I got up to go to work and was driving in like right toward I drive east. So I'm driving right into the sunrise. And yeah, just like, oh, that's what that's what's going on. You know, there's no clouds in the sky. That's really weird looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're right. They're all standing like, out taking pictures outside of work on our way in. I did the same thing. I took some pictures and I was going to post it on Twitter. And then I just was like, what the hell? You're right, Chris. That's a good analogy. It looked like, it looked like when Luke is staring from his moisture farm into the sun. Yeah. Like the, yeah. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Like that, the whole, but, but the sad one. The dun, dun, yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Exactly. Yeah. After his, after his grant or after his uh, uncle and aunt got murdered by the, by the stormtroopers. Yeah. No, it was oh, really it, weird. It just looked like something. Good work, John Williams. <laughs> John Williams said in the scene, um, it, it just, it, to me, it just looked, you know, it's, and now I got you know now I got to find it. Now you guys got me a certain look. Now you got me in a certain. I mean, it's I mean the lesson here is that gender reveal parties are bad. For yeah. one thing. <laughs> and uh, and two, you know, like you see, just you know, as a joke, but you know, people are trying to blame this on. I mean, beyond like the the crazy like, oh, it's Antifa and all this kind of nonsense. Yeah. But yeah. you know, people are trying to blame it on campers or they're blaming it on this gender reveal party or 
whatever it is. It's like, you know, people have always been stupid, but these fires are, are new. It's climate change, okay? Please wake up. <laughs> not like, yeah, not like well, it, being but, irresponsible is, is the thing that's changed here, you know? It's not the variable. Even, even now, though, you've, you've got two different sides where they look, you know, the people are like, yeah, this is obviously climate change. It's going to happen more often. And other people are like, well, maybe if you just cut down all the trees, it wouldn't happen. Right. <laughs> Come on. Right. We like trees. Right. By the way, correction, that was the scene where he's looking out into the horizon. And his, his aunt and uncle were not dead at that point. So that's my bad. I, oh, yeah, yeah. That's I know Star Wars fans were like, oh, how did you get that scene wrong? Oh. Well, so, yeah. You know, it was interesting. Um, we were having, I went and had dinner with, with my parents. It was my birthday the other day. And we went and had dinner. And um, oh, happy birthday, mother! What? Happy birthday! Oh, oh yeah, thank happy you. birthday! I was, um, gonna, I was gonna pause, but yeah, I gotta get it in there. No, it's fine. It's fine. But we, we went and had dinner at the local. My parents live at a golf course place for not too much longer, and we went Ooh. to have dinner at the country club. And my, I was talking to my dad about the smoke, and he was like, "Do you remember?" And I don't remember this at all, but like when I was, it must have been like '93 or '92. We had our little league baseball picnic in the middle of the summer, but it was the summer that Mount Pinatubo erupted. Oh, oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember it at all. But he said it was super cold that summer, and it was all because of the the smoke from up in a tubo. And I was like, man, you don't really think about uh, how connected the the you know weather or the climate is until something like that happens. Yeah, and it kind of goes back to um, you know like having a long baseball season versus the short one. You know, you don't see all the different things that can happen. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> trying to make a baseball analogy uh, between, but it is kind of crazy that you know we, we do seem to have lived through a pretty quiet time. You know, in terms of major major weather or geologic events, um, and maybe that's why we're as a as a human race we've been able to flourish over the past. You know few hundred years, thousand years. Um, but yeah, like these things are, are going to happen. And it is wild that, yeah, that it can affect things that much. I remember people talking about Mount Pinatubo, but I didn't, I don't remember like the weather or the, or that it was a, th- a thing, but I was probably the right age at that point to be like working a night job and then staying all, up all night partying until, you know, six in the morning. I probably never saw the sunrise or if I did, it was on the way to bed. So yeah. The only reason why I, oh, well, yes, I'm, I'm on Wikipedia now, but yeah, go ahead. Uh, uh, the same thing, Chris. I remember the reason why I remember that was because it was it was same thing. Baseball related it was little league. It was that was six. That was a sixth grade or seventh grade. No, it was sixth grade. Sixth grade. And I remember the only reason what we had we made a like we voted as a team for whatever reason we were decided to have long long uh, long sleeves underneath for sure because our coach was really weird. Like he wanted to make sure everything looked universal. So we had green those green t shirt jerseys. And we had to wear white turtlenecks underneath them during that summer. Oh. And I, I remember, like, I, I remember my mom at, like was kind of confused why it was going on. And then our coach said, "Oh, it's." He mentioned he mentioned that incident, and I had no idea what the hell he was talking about because we even going back to school, it was no men. Our science teacher didn't mention it. No, nobody. The only person that mentioned it was our baseball coach, and my dad said something about it. But that was it. I don't after that. Until you said just now, just the same thing. We all were. It was the white troll next summer. That was the only reason why I remember that because <laughs> that was it. Yeah, so I'm I'm looking. Wikipedia is a great thing. Uh, June 15, 1991, the second largest terrestrial eruption of the 20th century. Um, complicating the eruption was the arrival of Typhoon Yunya, which oh, uh, brought a lethal mix of ash and rain to towns and cities surrounding the volcano. Um, so and then yeah, so. Said the effects of the eruption were felt world, worldwide. Ejected roughly 10 billion tons of magma. Wow. And, uh, Hot liquid magma. Vast, 
vast quantities of minerals and toxic metals to the surface environment injected more particulate into the stratosphere than any eruption since Krakatoa in 1883. Yeah, Krakatoa was the one I was thinking about. Yeah, that was in the Philippines. And Krakatoa yeah. is oh, somewhere in Indonesia over there. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the that's the caldera. I mean, there's the whole ring of fire, but it seems like the big ones all yeah. come over there. And then they had the tsunami, you know, whenever that yeah. was, like, 15 years 2005, ago. 2005? Yeah. Yeah, they say, I suppose Krakatoa is the loudest noise ever heard on Earth. Yeah. I don't know how they really judge that, but uh, what are we going to do? Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, so they, they said global temperatures dropped by about a degree after that eruption. But any of it. Wow. We've, we've kind of lost the uh, – Yeah. The uh, – <laughs> so there, and, here, but and now's your now that was your talk about the way the cataclysmic ninety one eruption of Mount Tubo reminded us of Mike Trout. You know, <laughs> I was gonna say you know, you know who would like this talk is Mike Mike Trout, the weather lover. Yep. A Doppler uh, Doppler SRD radar. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, we did uh, we did get two questions. I don't know if you guys yes. saw them. Um, I did see one. I didn't see the other. Was it the? Uh-huh. Uh, I, I know we got one from uh, Miggy's. Oh, what was that guy's name? All right, I know what you're talking about. We, we, got, we got one from Pass Me a Cold Burr. Yeah, Pass Me a Cold Burr. That. He's got the oh, yeah. picture. Yeah, that guy's good people. And then we got one from K Turret, which we kind of touched already. It was can the Tigers ever stop torturing their young Latin switch hitting prospects and choose a position for each of them? The answer is uh, the answer <laughs> I don't is know no. if this is really a deep dive question so much as like, yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, we, we touched on that. It, it's, let's, go, let's go with the – let's go with the um, – let's go with the – Pass me a cold burr question. Yeah, so we feel you, Kate Turret. But uh, um, yeah, this one was dark horse prospect that will surprise everyone. Um, and this is, you know, I guess fun just throwing things at the wall. Maybe guys we like more than than others. Oh, I don't know. Factors? Oh, I, I assume that's what he means. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, and we're like you talked about earlier. We're, we're kind of in the circle where we all talk about prospects fairly often. So I, I mean, there's some certain like fan favorites in among the Tigers prospect community. That maybe not might not be as well known to everybody else, but uh, I don't know if you guys have anybody in mind. Um, well, I mean, I, th- I think the one that we can just throw out there, and then we can each all pick one of our own. I mean, a lot of people are interested in Bryant Packard just because he seems like you yeah, know of, right. of all the guys down there who aren't real heralded, he seems the one most likely to hit um, at least prior to the draft. You know, maybe you like Workman. Daniel Cabrera, you know, et cetera. But yeah, um, you could mention him. I mean, the guy that, that I am really curious to see next year, just because I like for once it was me who sort of spotted him first was uh, Kiter Montero um, because yeah, I, I saw, him, saw him a bunch at Connecticut, um, thought the breaking ball looked great um, and that he was commanded to both sides of the plate with a pretty good fastball. And then we started to get some data on him and it looks like his um, his curveball, you know, is like a 3000 plus type spinner. So he's got some wow. nasty stuff. Um, he's not a very like projectable frame guy. He's only like six one, and he's he's you know not not real thick you know uh, built. So I don't know if he's going to be a starter, but I am curious to see um, what what he actually looks like. Hopefully from from a better viewpoint than you get watching Connecticut Tigers games on minor league TV. <laughs> uh, mine, you know what? I I have one, and it was a guy who I saw a couple times last year. And in, in the in the brief times, a couple times I did see him. Was infielder Andre Lipkis or uh, Lipkis? Lip, uh, because he's he was already changing his he was already changing a couple times his like his swing approach and everything and, and not to mention um, I wanted to see what he would do on in, at Lakeland and kind of thing and, and comparatively speaking he also to me at least was ahead of Nick Quintana in terms of even like how playing his position um, even 
the way he was handling the his at-bats and his approach, and he showed a little more speed than was projected. So I think he's – I mean, again, I know Chris has uh, – Chris and I think Chip has said too that he has been – by the way, he was playing. I don't. I, I just. I saw this earlier today, and I wanted to mention this. Forgot to mention this. He's been playing for the Peninsula Pilots, which is the Coastal oh. Plain League. So he's been playing there with a couple of other guys down there. But so he's been getting his reps in. And oh, he's been playing. Yeah. So Anthony, he's been playing with Anthony Pasquato. Um, oh. So I'll send you guys the link where he's been playing it. So I didn't. I didn't know that till I was looking for him earlier because we're. Um, I wanted to bring. I met. I was for whatever reason we were, we were coming up our, our discussion earlier, Chris, and I just wanted to look up and see. What, usually, randomly, he comes up on news, so that's pretty cool. He's playing right now, but anyway, um, I just want to see what he can do on you know past just being up on uh, Midwest League pitching, and I thought that the way he was taking his approaches to the play already changing changing swinging mechanics and making that longer swing shorter. I don't know. I think I, I just love to see what he does in the next level. Yeah, he's um he seems like a really smart player who who really is pushing to to improve himself. I mean, I've seen some training video from him um, from this summer, and he was doing all kinds of like interesting like plyometric stuff that I you don't see a whole lot of athletes doing. And he was actually like talking about you know what it was um you know what it was designed to do for his flexibility and all this kind of stuff. You know, he's a guy who probably isn't going to hit, uh, but. You know, but is going to have a better chance, I think, of getting the most out of himself than a lot of guys who you would you would peg a 40 on. And, um, yeah, I think he might be interesting. And, yeah, he definitely did look better than Quintana because Quintana just looked terrible. And um, we all just kind of want to wipe that from our brains and hope hope there's a reset button there. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, um, this this question is actually kind of tough for me (laughs) because I'm trying to think like there are some guys I want to pick who might not even make the majors, but might kind of surprise just in the minors. Uh, so I, I'm going to go with two. I'm going to go with, with Joey Wentz in the majors. You know, I know he's got arm surgery and uh, who knows what, if he's going to come back from that, but, and I don't think he has a terribly high ceiling. Yeah. Uh, but it, uh, this might not make any sense, but I feel like he has just as good a chance of being an average major league starter as just about anybody else in the system. I just don't think he can be much more than that. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Kind of, yeah. Um, so I think he could come up and surprise me like, oh, Joey Wentz. Who, who knew? Because he's he's a guy who's kind of got this the scuball arm slot a little bit. Yeah, probably in the fastball isn't anywhere close to that. But there's going to be some natural deception. And then I think his uh, his changeup is, is much better than scuball's. And I need a breaking ball is usable. But I don't know. I think there's a chance for an average major league starter there. And it might surprise some people. Maybe not. I don't know. I mean, you just you don't hear him and- talk about much just because there's so many other big name pro- pitching prospects. Yeah. Not, you know, and it's not great when a guy has Tommy John surgery, but he's so big and he's, and he's yeah. so young at the same time. Like you kind of think like, maybe this is something there has been holding him back and maybe, yeah. maybe just maybe he comes back and he's throwing more 94, you know? And if he does, yeah, I mean, he could be like a, a super powered, you know, this is a funny thing to like put together in a sentence, but a super powered Nick Ramirez, like a dude who has a you know, yeah. really pretty good change up and yes. And some deception and good enough fastball velocity to, yeah, maybe be a, a back-end guy or, um, I don't know, maybe some kind of interesting reliever. Yeah, I, I'm kind of interested in him, too. And then and then the one kind of really super dark horse guy, um, and this is just, you know, based on almost nothing, is Jose De La Cruz, who was one of the two big uh, international signings a couple years ago. Yeah. And this was one that just just from data that I'm still not even terribly sure is, is re- <laughs> true, and I mentioned this a while back on, on I think, a, a podcast we did with uh, 
I think margin orders was, uh, you know, when I was looking over at uh, minor graphs, which is a function like a feature at at uh, what is it, uh, Prospects Live. They they show you can you can look up uh, the average home run distance or whatever for for guys. And he was in the DSL, but he hit like three or four home runs more than 450 feet. Yeah. And again, this this is data. Where I'm like, I, I don't know how much to believe that. But then there you go on fan graphs and they see his average exit velocity is, you know, I think they put that is super high for somebody that, that young. And that's yeah. just intriguing to me. A, a guy who's I mean, he has strikeout issues and, and you never really know what to make of PSL stats. He stole a bunch of bases, but I assume he probably got caught just as much. And uh, but he's a guy that, that I could see just like a big time power prospect who might pop up this, the sort of power guy we haven't seen since like Stephen Moya. Yeah. Um, and who knows? I mean, maybe it's just a blip and, and obviously Moya didn't work out, but he's a guy I could see kind of coming from nowhere and surprising people. Yeah. Compared to like all the other guys kind of coming up through the IFA system, like who you don't even have like, the, you know, there's nothing you can sort of like peg for sure with certainty having not seen him. Yeah. Jose De La Cruz's power, you can kind of peg because everybody who's yeah. yeah seems to seems to know that, you know, yeah, he's a guy who who has the potential to be a a 70 power guy if he can hit. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's, yeah. that's a good one. Yeah. The rest of them are all yeah. an enigma. It would be nice to see Adenso Reyes and some of these other guys show up next God, year. Yeah. Um, Alvaro Gonzalez, you know, these have been some of the big ticket items the past, you know, four years and um, haven't really got a, a good look at anybody. And they're all 18, 19 years old now. So it's like, if any, if one of these guys was going to be Juan Soto, we'd already know it, but hopefully one yeah. of them can, uh, can get it going, you know, and, uh, and be worth their money. Yeah, and you know we thought we had something with Winslow Perez, and then last year was just kind of a step backwards. And he, who knows? It takes time with some of these guys, but yeah, yeah, this is a d- different animal than Winslow Perez. Yeah, especially yeah. you guys were talking. We talked earlier about Yoha Ray, which I have to I have to do some digging on that. And the, the one player I wanted to throw in before we move on, also from a pitching standpoint, is Jason Foley because I know he's in camp right now, but mm-hmm. to see the recovery process after Tommy John has been pretty. Remarkable. His fastballs back up velocity again, again, and I would love to see his secondaries. And maybe he goes from that unknown in terms of what he was doing in Lakeland, and see if he can make the adjustment to the majors. I mean, I, the Tigers have a couple relievers like that in their system. Grant, I understand that with Pinto and and the like and the like, but still, for Foley, I, I don't. know. I would like to see what he do in the next level, and I think he he can if he can separate himself from Zach Houston status, which is you know a lot of. Uh, um, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like no, no offense to Zach Houston or anything, but just kind of separate himself where Houston was killing it through the level, lower levels before he just, I don't know what happened in double A, triple A. That would be a good adjustment for him. So, yeah, and he had, um, yeah, Jason Foley's a little bit more conventional. I mean, that was, Zach Houston had that sort of weird, almost like Carter Capsis ish, like skip mm-hmm. um, that got him way down the mound. Foley's a little bit more like, yeah, I mean, before the surgery, like, uh, you know, just a legit flamethrower who, yeah, if he can throw strikes, you know, could probably be a, a decent chip in the bullpen. And yeah, there's a couple other, couple other uh, guys with with pretty impressive power stuff down there. I mean, every team has a ton of guys with impressive yeah. power stuff, and just uh, you just hope one of them, you know, puts it together. You just hope you get a Greg Soto, you know, situation every year or two where someone who couldn't consistently throw strikes kind of figures it out enough to be be effective. So. Yeah, hopefully there's a bunch of guys down there. I mean, from this year's draft, I mean, there's a there were a couple. I mean, I I really like the the Colt Keith pick. I'm very curious to see what what he looks like. And um, Gage Workman too, who's only you know I think about a year older than than Colt Keith. Um, and can play you good shortstop and third base. Hits with power from the left side. Tons of swing and miss issues. But um, 
yeah, he might be a, another one who um, surprises some people and comes up and gives us a, a Brennan Bosch-ish, like, oh, my God, this guy's going to be a star for two months, and then we all have to <laughs> yell at him. But no, settle down. It's not going to work that way. But yeah, Don't swing at the slider. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, hopefully, was that it, Chris, in terms of question-wise? Yep. Those, those are the only two that I got. I saw on Twitter. I don't think I, I got one. I got one more. Oh, okay. Alex Lang. Just because I just because when I first saw Alex Lang when we when we traded for him, I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, what is this? What are we doing here? And then, um, you know, having seen him in the two camps, I was a little bit more like, oh, yeah, that's pretty funky. That uh, that changeup is pretty weird. The fastball is weird. The arm slot. It's all pretty, pretty interesting. So, um, you know, maybe maybe he'll be our uh, Chris Davinsky or something, you know, our kind of funky, uh, funky seventh inning guy who can go multiple innings and just throws all kinds of weird junk at people. All right. Well, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that's some good stuff. So, uh, yeah, I think we're yeah, I think we're out of yeah. So we we should be good. Um, I'll edit that for later. But yeah, thanks for <laughs> Brandon. Thanks so much for joining us this evening. We really appreciate it. And uh, anything you want to pimp out? Talk baseball. Yeah, we'll always yeah. talk baseball. What do you want? You got anything you want to pimp out? Um, no, not in particular. Um, nope. Uh, just, just pretty much chilling this week. And then, uh, we'll get back to, uh, cranking out some podcasts next week. And I've got like, I've got a Jamer Candelario article, a Spencer Turnbull article, and, um, an article on Isaac Paredes all in the, in the tank. And, um, everyone just keeps beating me to the punch. So I'm going to, I'm going to sit on these for a little bit. Uh, let the subjects breathe. Um, I'll, I have to go read, uh, was it Chris, was it you who had the one on Paredes today that you guys put out at, at Motor City Bengals? Yeah, that was, it was based on, uh, we did like a, one of our little Carfax videos. We just took a look when he was in his slump and we, we all had kind of theories about what might be the issue. And so I just kind of expanded oh, okay. on this a little bit. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's right. That's basically all I did too. But yeah. So uh, yeah, for a day or two, um, you probably won't see much. And then yeah, you'll get a flood of a uh, flood of articles this weekend into next week as we uh, hit the home stretch here. And um, the season's about, about over. Yeah. And uh, for us, I have a piece on Joe Klein, the third manager in five se- in four seasons under the post Billa Joy Joe or mm-hmm. uh, Campbell era. So, continue that series, and then from there, I, I with the Hispanic Heritage Month, there will be a couple of unknown, virtually unknown Tigers that were out there that I might touch upon too. So look for look forward to that as well. So check out our great content, MotorCityBangles.com. Of course, check out Brandon at BlessYouBoys.com. Which, by the way, I think this is the first time in history that a Bless You Boys and Motor City Bengals podcast has happened. I know that oh, for a fact. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I didn't even think <laughs> of that. Was a, really? Yeah. But no, it was, but it's true that it was like a, they, it was like a separate. I mean, it was like we were all in our own separate worlds because you get, you know, all the three of us all know each other really well and have been doing stuff forever. Yeah, there, there does seem like there's a lot more um, cross cross-site synergy going on yes. and you guys are just freaking killing it over there you guys have hired some good people you got the prospects live tie-in stuff going on um it's all been uh, pretty awesome to watch and we're just kind of over here uh chilling for the most part to be honest <laughs> it's been, been kind of a slow year at bless you boys um you know it goes up and down so we'll see how things go uh next year but um yeah um you guys have been crushing it it's been awesome yeah yeah, yeah thank you we appreciate that and uh thank you again for everybody checking out the podcast we appreciate it we look forward to talking to you again next week and hopefully the Tigers, who are now, and I think at a four for 12 for the month of September or something like that. I don't know. I just, uh, whatever. Fourth worst one to a differential in baseball, but I think the eighth worst record. On that note, thanks so much for listening, <laughs> and uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs>